the fucking ending of the film? Like, <laughs> what? 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 Hey folks, and welcome to Film Optimists. You're listening to part two of our episode with Riley about Stalker. If you enjoyed last week's episode, you are for sure in for a treat. So we are just going to hop right in here to part two. Hope you enjoy. Can I ask a bit of like a curveball question to you guys? Of yeah. How does it compare to um, sci-fi of your guys' teachings and... Because uh, we did say that it was different, right? Like it, it's right. kind of like yeah, a little a bit good, characteristically different. I would love to like hear about your take yeah. on that. Good. Megan's keeping us grounded here. Megan's like, <laughs> okay, back to the sci-fi we said we are going to talk about. I was going to say, Megan, if you don't mind, a quick side note. The, the question kind of reminded me, like, what's the difference between like the American sci-fi? There, there's two uh, Andre Tarkarski quotes I want to read, if that's okay. Yeah, please. Um, one is, relating a person to the whole world, that is the meaning of cinema. I love that quote. Another one is when he went to, uh, he visited America once and he went to Utah. I don't know if you folks know this. You, a oh. bigger part of Utah is where John Ford specifically directed a lot of the Westerns, so like the mm. John Wayne shit. He wanted to see that, you know, being a film buff and he came out there and he saw this and he said, Americans are so vulgar. I can't believe you're shooting Westerns here. She's shooting movies about God. <laughs> and oh. when I visited Utah on my road trip out here, it's like, I really see what he means. This place is gorgeous. And this, yeah. is, this should be a setting for a more profound film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of, that sentiment summarizes <laughs> maybe the difference from at least the sci-fi we read in the class, right? Like there, there, there was a quality difference, but a lot of like the golden age of sci-fi stuff we read, which is really fun. And I like, yeah. isn't very interested with... Um, god or metaphysics or whatever you want to call it or anything mm-hmm. it was really really curious about progress mm. yeah and, and like about how him. how humanity would advance and right and a you very know, american version of progress uh, incredibly you know? incredibly yeah. american I, I reread some of that stuff recently it's like this is fun but jesus christ <laughs> oh god yeah it's 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 full of like you know uh manifest destiny and mm-hmm. through Absolutely. space and like yeah interstellar colonialism okay. kind of thing and at yeah. least in like the golden age of sci-fi kind of stuff and it's um, fun and there's cool ideas in it but it, it's uh politically kind of hard to ignore yeah but like also mm-hmm. some of the, some of the best sci-fi does deal with real serious shit incredibly that. yeah and um like, I mean, we, we mentioned Blade Runner earlier and like mm-hmm. the Philip K. Dick was really great, I think, about dealing with serious shit in yeah. a dark, deep way. And uh, I would, I don't mean to switch right no, here, no, go ahead. but yeah. I would Please. have a really hard time defining this movie as science fiction. Good, um, yeah. And that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, I, it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit the label to me, right? Okay. Right, right. Both in terms of subject matter, mm-hmm and in terms of content the as far as like the the zone itself the zone and the room nothing in there is scientific right right? Right. it's it's magical like let's just call it for what it is it is it is magical divine (laughs) yeah but the the subject matter i've always tried to define science fiction as a genre that is concerned deeply with humanity Mm 
-hmm. and in terms of like where we are going right Mm -hmm. science fiction has always been and always will be inherently political in terms of like what we are doing and where we are going and how technology and our creations relate to that i didn't get much of that from stalker i got there is a political message there sure absolutely like there's no denying that but the technical technological element is missing in the film to call it science fiction for me fair i i I think you are right and i think that's something that i apologize because i'm blanking if it was this movie or solaris that the uh the writer i know there was two writers for this novel but both of them were adapted from a novel but the, mm-hmm. the writer was on set and things weren't quite working at one point the writer says the, the novelist just to say says no maybe we should just remove some of the sci-fi elements and not worry about it being a sci-fi film <laughs> you heard him it wasn't me he said it and was very <laughs> relieved by making a movie making a Tchaikovsky movie rather than being worried about making a sci-fi hmm. genre yeah, this, movie this and, film is about like it's about god you know like right, right. solaris i I'll, I'll confess. I watched both of them. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. I did. Right. did you like Solaris, Riley? Um, I did. I did okay. like it. I think it is very much more like stereotypically science fiction. Right. I, think I, I was going to say, we'd love to have you back for a Solaris episode sometime. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Let's, I mean, let's do it. I got nothing <laughs> going on. Like, shit. I, I, I will be honest with you. Like, give it, it's depending on like, time of day and day of the week, which one I prefer. Because I, I really mm. like Stalker and Solaris. Sure. I think Solaris is a lot easier to understand. I yes, think Solaris is. is much more straightforward. straightforward, you know, it's the And it's the subject... a lot more clearly sci-fi. Yeah, it's okay, it's yeah. in space, you know, the subject right. matter so, is there's very... a sentient planet, you know, and that's a really cool sci-fi. Idea. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. But that one easy sci-fi you know it's and it's not it's not just the um it's not just the fact that it's in space that's that's easy it's it's the fact of like subject matter because there's like you know that's that's a different podcast but anyway i I have so much to say about solara yeah we won't get into it we'll stick to stop yeah save it save it for the next episode yeah save it for the next one (laughs) get excited folks well i think that's the reason i asked the question is just because watching this i was like i I was taken aback that it's considered a sci-fi film and right. and yeah. that it seemed that industrialism was like a relic in this movie and a lot mm-hmm. of like the sets and stuff it was very much like old industrialism that we saw visually so it was really yeah. striking to see this sci-fi yeah. this movie could be like science fiction in sense of like post-apocalyptic is science yeah, fiction that's you right, know what i mean right. that's true and then there's like meteorite we don't know what it is yeah yeah yeah. but i i think like this is a thin line here like i'm someone who really does enjoy genre sci-fi like i'm a big star trek fan yeah as am i yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so i enjoy classic sci-fi i will be very happy reading like a asimov or heinlein novel and i get offended when someone critiques that as low art Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Stalker, I think, is higher art. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, just in terms of form, in terms of discussion and everything. And I think that is a, a distinction as a diehard sci-fi, someone who took a sci-fi class in college. <laughs> so right. a, a distinction I'm happy to make. It felt so much more student art form to me right. Than, right. than like a genre specific to sci-fi, which is funny that it got the um, the title of it after the fact and later in the fact. I mean, I, I, wasn't it not very popular from what I... Um, well, it was it was buried for quite a while in Russia. You know, I, I think right. it's odd because like it's, it, I think it's been in more vogue recently for us to talk about um, Stalker more than Solaris. Although he, um, Tchaikovsky thought mm-hmm. Solaris was his worst film, which is... I don't, he did. I, yeah, which is 
it's a great movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I will say when you only make seven movies and you're heavily controlled on all of them, I guess one of them has to be the bad one, but I don't <laughs> think it's Solaris. Um, yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if the West latched on to Stalker because of yeah. its like anti, yeah. like, yeah. like anti-authoritarian, anti-Soviet um, messaging. Absolutely. Yeah. I, there is much more clear that than there is in Solaris. That's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is the movie that got him exiled. <laughs> right. So, I got a question for you too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you go in the room? No. I'm, no, right? Like, I, <laughs> like I, I'm, I, I hate writer because I see myself in that guy, right? Oh, you know, it's like, God. A thousand percent. It's like, every, that's what I sound like at a party where I'm trying to talk about the new book I read or something. It's like, oh, I'm so fucking pretentious. I'm so <laughs> up my own ass, man. That's why we did a podcast instead of talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> I was cringing every time he was dismantling the bomb, the professor, because I wanted to go off. I really thought it was going to go off. Yeah. And the fact that it didn't, Every I was literally yeah. like, ooh, ooh, every time I went in the water. Yeah. And I was like, damn. That's, you, you just reminded me of um another one of the would-be theses of right, right. professor talking about never do an irreversible reaction on principle mm. that is mm-hmm. my that's code true. to never do an irreversible that's action. a very good those are wise words to, to live by actually put yeah and i think that's part of the whole environmentalist anti-industrial element yeah. of this film like yeah. you have these chemical plants that are now going to be hazardous forever you know foreshadowing yeah. chernobyl and the atomic bomb and all right. this like mechanized industrialism it's like you cannot undo these things you have set humanity upon a path that we cannot retreat from mm-hmm. i just have to mention this this is a side note so this is a good movie that came out this is a great movie that came out with people potentially catching cancer catching right. Jesus, you know contracting it making mm-hmm. it um I don't know if you folks are aware of how John Wayne died. Uh, he caught cancer playing Genghis Khan in a movie. <laughs> that was mm. near a nuclear reactor. We have uh, a very, <sighs> very racist as hell bad movie. Well, it's John Wayne. So it, it's very him. odd to me that there's a yin and yang. <laughs> there's a pro and con of uh, creators getting wow. cancer due to where they were shooting. So mm. also, uh, listeners, sorry, we did two directors who died of cancer young in a row. So... Do something lighter next episode, maybe. <laughs> I can't promise um, that. We don't know. If we want to move on to a little bit more of a like fun topic, yeah, please. I want to talk about the fucking rules of this world and the yes. goddamn theories that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Please, because rather. it's just like there's so much open ended. There's so <laughs> much yeah. open ended, and it's just hints, just tiny little hints, just mm-hmm. pulled here and there, right? I should mention real quick. One of the biggest supporters of the fact that like maybe there's something magic going on is the daughter we see at the end yeah yes yes who um is described as being crippled and who has legs but she's not walking and the last shot is her it's implied moving multiple glasses on a table yeah and it's fucking great it's fantastic (laughs) she reads a poem again very somber poem (laughs) closes the book lays her head on the table and looks at glasses one by one and just telekinetically pushes them and then pushes one off the first time i watched this film it was the end of it it was the three hours i was (laughs) again the first time distracted it's not three it's two and a half folks but 47 i think (laughs) we can round up but i was just like what the 
fuck was right that? yeah like there's there is nothing supernatural in the film up until that point and then i was right. like excuse yeah me? it puts a lot of things in perspective like was that actually the zone talking to writer you know right. like mm-hmm. was yeah. when they thought they weren't heading back towards professor that that they're going to the zone yeah. to the room rather like <laughs> was that the zone reacting and moving them you know it kind of validates yeah. what stalker is saying yeah yeah and that's sorry just um, had to had to mention that before we get into theory no you're that's one of the ones i wanted to talk about because it brings in the question the whole like aspect of is the room real are these powers like Mm -hmm. actually there right and stalker says like i never stalkers are forbidden to go into the room and it's like motherfucker your child is telekinetic <laughs> i think you went in the room asking for your child to be gifted oh, you well, know? I say, yeah i agree like, you, want, you wanted i think a, you wanted a cool daughter i don't know quite what the yeah, you wanted a talented successful That's like daughter or whatever because how else girl <laughs> yeah like how else do you explain a kid with a force in Soviet <laughs> russia Wow. Yeah. No, I, I uh, am with you there, Riley, but I think I think he's not being honest. The other detail that I caught was that, so at the beginning of the film, right? right. The beginning of the film, you have a slow panning shot of their apartment. Mm-hmm. The floor is wet. There is a table with like syringes and um. pills on them that his wife is staring at, you know? And he gets up he puts on his one pair of pants yep goes to the <laughs> stove furnace thing that he has mm-hmm. and heads out that's and she and then she collapses on the floor after she begs him not to go yeah cries and writhes in a very like manner that i don't know if it's purely emotional or if she is like suffering from substance like addiction or whatever it's yeah, unclear that's a good point it is unclear and it's it's certainly implied but right. also but it's also uh vague enough that i don't think you're wrong to think maybe she, it is just emotions you know yeah um, and then at the end of the film they are in a completely different building like they have bookshelves on bookshelves and the bed is in a different part of the room and the Mm -hmm. floor is like i think it's like a wood paneled floor and Mm -hmm. they have a dining room table that the that monkey is sitting at and it's like okay right before they left the zone when the three of them are sitting outside of the room stalker says maybe i'll just take my wife and monkey and come out here and we will live peacefully and happy and then you have the shot of like rain falling into the room as they sit outside and watch it you know symbolism but rain always right. has of like washing everything clean and whatnot and so then symbolism. you love to see it though yeah oh it's so good right and and he and they all come back and his wife who we saw last was like cursing him almost yeah. for like making her an old hag and having nothing and she's so relieved to have him back when he's asleep at the end of the film Mm -hmm. she gives a little monologue about how like she met this looking directly at the camera when Mm -hmm. she gives this monologue yeah yeah yeah. it's uh, it's jarring but it's it's great yeah she's talking about how like she met this mysterious man and he was a stalker and he was you know enticing and promised her that he'd like 
show her things and her mother was like you know them they're cursed men you know what kind of children they have and she's like and it was hard yeah but I never regretted it and it's like that's a different woman than we saw at the beginning of the film it is yeah and it's it raises questions for sure you know I mean I think the most extreme question is like did stalker go in the room it sounds very like pre going into the room for him and then like coming out of it or almost like a little like staged thing mm-hmm. if we're like against stalker in that way like if we think that he is deceiving them he I don't know it's kind of like we would need to see that as an audience member in order to believe that he is genuine but also if he does go to this the room that Riley describes it that changes everything <laughs> that's not that's not what we were set up to believe I, I also will say that I think it also doesn't read as completely out of nowhere that this is a wife very happy to have her husband back. Yeah, know? of course, of course. Because um, like he's also he is distressed. His uh, physical emotions look like he has a fever. You know, and yeah. he's been put to bed and he's exhausted and he is just devastated that no one believes. Anymore. And he's uh. yeah, he's having that crisis and he's very emotional about like yeah. how the world is bereft of like good people yeah. with faith. And it's hard for him because, like, the zone is where he's more comfortable than home. Yeah, you right. see, loves, you see his, <laughs> you see his persona change so much when they did right. that scene, you know, of like yeah. when everything comes to color. Yeah, um, and we should say for the audience, like, when they come back to whatever city that they're living in it goes right. back to sepia yes yeah it goes it goes back I think to the last scene is in color with the daughter with mm-hmm. monkey yeah we have great 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 names monkey porcupine stalker <laughs> writer yeah. professor and wife <laughs> um, but yeah. that leads to theories because i don't think it's as simple as oh he thought this would look better you know i think there is like is it because she's of the zone and this is a scene featuring just her mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's in yeah. color you know? yeah. likewise there's scenes point. There's scenes in the zone which becomes Sephia again. And this occurred to me in this yeah. most recent view. And like, is he thinking of home? Is he sad? Is he thinking of home? And that's why it's Sephia again. You know yeah. I mean? And I'm not saying that's the explanation, but like, I, it's not a mistake. You know what I mean? This wasn't, I'm going to slam a director here. This isn't Goddard just fucking around if it looks better. This is uh, <laughs> someone more refined than that. That Sephia hits like so hard too. It's it does. Just, it's yeah, it's very, it must it's have chemical. been turned. Yes, it, it is right. chemical. That's yeah, right, exactly. Really. And, this is maybe one of those beautiful looking movies ever. It's just, it, yeah. despite it being like very dystopian imagery, it's mm-hmm. shot so fantastically. You know? I really, I love that Wizard of Oz moment. It made oh, me yeah. really happy. Yes. Yeah, incredibly yeah. so. So Megan, I take it you also would not go in the room. Oh yeah, well, like I said, I was hoping yeah, for that you, bomb you was going to go off. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I don't want to make sure you don't miss it. Are there other theories you wanted to go over? Um, we have to, I'm excited. No, those are the main ones because <laughs> right. that's that's like the the big thing. That's like wait wait a goddamn minute. That yeah. is not that's not the same house. Right. And just seeing yeah seeing seeing monkey with like telekinetic powers. Yeah. I was like okay that's that's a child touched by something. You know? Right. Right. Um, Which is me- scary. You know. And yeah. I, I think that's a fun thing too. Like I think she's referred to as being cursed and like he's a priest but she's uh, cursed. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Wow. Megan, you know, you and I met in um, early American lit class, right? Where we, yes. uh, yeah. where a lot of our shit was 
witch trials and things is like that. Yeah, it should have been was, all Puritan. Like it should yes. have been like a witch thing. <laughs> um, it should have been. I would love like to teach that class um, specifically. I, I, I did so much extra research for that. It's like I want to get my PhD in this shit. Really, <laughs> I know. also have had exorcisms performed on me and they didn't work. So I feel particularly a uh, whole. Okay, we need to talk. <laughs> I need to hear that story. I've later had multiple date. exorcisms performed on me against my wheel. My Good lord, my, wheel. Jeez, my will. Yeah, um, I'm still bisexual with depression. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Another podcast episode, folks. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Against all odds, I'm yeah, still bisexual. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Didn't work, bitches. Yeah, exactly. So I, I feel I, I felt particularly called to do the witch trial um, mm-hmm. sections in that class. For anybody down. wondering about it, it's witchcraft is so fucking cool. Like it's really, oh, yeah. really it's interesting. So cool. Yeah, so goddamn cool. And like, like what was. You know, just like politically, what was really happening during this time is like, yeah, the the rye got wet, and that made everybody hallucinate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So often it's something like that, or like, yeah, this lady was rich. Mm-hmm. They wanted to kill her. <laughs> yeah. Or in one case, this lady was Catholic. Everyone else was Protestant. They didn't trust her because she spoke Latin. They thought that was speaking in tongues. Yeah. So, um, it's crazy stuff. But all that to say, it, it was hard for me to not think about how one would react to monkey. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, yeah, yeah. puritanical thing of like. And then how that reflects on Stalker, you know, how that inverts mm-hmm. him, like, is he blessed? Is he cursed? Where does this power come from is always such a terrifying question in religion. And this movie, I think, really dars in that, like, is this a good power? Is this an evil power <laughs> in this room? Yeah, which is, you know, very, like, antithetical to a Soviet environment that he's right. in, right? right That's absolutely. all, like, yeah. focused on the human, right? What is man yeah. and humanity capable mm-hmm. of? And to have this otherworldly thing brings things into question you know no it's it's certainly um easy to see why they were concerned i should note some of its great art has been uh, inspired by this movie and one of the strangest most unique books i am lucky enough to own is called a uh, zona there's a longer title but uh, jeff dreyer a british author wrote a book about watching this movie he'd seen it over 100 times mm. and he has a book that recounts this book or this movie sorry along with his reactions to it I know that sounds dull, but it's very fun. It's a very quick read that is kind of parallel of what scenes remind him of, et cetera. And uh, I got to see him at the uh, Pacific Film Archive in Berkeley for a screening of Stalker. He presented it. Wow. I got the book. So I don't know how you call that genre of of literature, you know? (laughs) know? So like a review? It's not just a review, though, because it's a recap of the book, but also... It, it'll be like a you know, like a page will have here's what's happened in the book there'll be a line it's like and here's what this reminds me I got of. You, I here's got an you. antidote oh. that is related to it interesting it's that for the length of the whole film wow sorry Riley I cut you off <laughs> no you're fine uh you had mentioned some uh some theories that you had read um when Seth was in the other room oh, oh yeah let's hear uh, well not <laughs> so the theory is aliens <laughs> basically that's <laughs> no, all I, I have know, to say I think that, and that, that's not a uh, invalid theory by any means and I think Riley I I propose this to you but I remember, remind you of was it a John Campbell quote that we heard a lot in our sci-fi class John Campbell was the editor of Astounding Fiction <laughs> pull that out and he wrote Riley. the book oh, that's um, a deep deep pull <laughs> he, he wrote the novel who goes there which we know in our uh common world as the thing um, uh, okay, okay. John Carpenter's the thing, you know. So, yes. but he was an editor and major science fiction magazine for decades until his death. And he told his writers, "Give me a creature who thinks not like a man, but as well as a man." Yes. And mm-hmm. if you would take the view that 
the room is sentient or that the yeah. zone is sentient you know mm -hmm. this this is up that alley and i think solaris is very much in that as well because it's, it's about a sentient incredibly so yeah. <laughs> you know and solaris more directly the room is like did nothing happen just a few accidents and one guy's <laughs> fucking with them you know or a series of guys is fucking them you know but there is a very valid theory that like yeah this is aliens <laughs> well it also goes into this idea of like omniscience i guess and yeah. which i mean alien theory goes into that as well sure. but at the same time religious theory goes into that as well so i kind of like that yeah. I, I love that we talked about that the room is sentient like that actually really enhanced the movie for me and because to make anything sentient especially like a non-humanoid thing gives it more characteristic of something rather than someone right. which i i'm all about i I think that that kind of contribute for me that slightly contributes to its like sci-fi-ness as well as creating these things into omniscient beings i guess sure mm -hmm. yeah i think the the intelligence of the zone those few scenes where writers stopped like they hear some voice and like if or not there is like that otherworldly wish granting element to it you know if it only if it only grants the wishes of those horribly unhappy yeah you know stalker does not seem like a very happy person right. he's he's weeping calling himself like yes i am a louse i have nothing right. i am miserable right. right if his home changed magically upon his return that you know yeah that's what it made me think about i really do think that that happened <laughs> that's kind of my theory is that it changed yeah. and he either had gone to the room before or has went into it this time like on this journey because we don't yeah. see them leave and i think that's important to note you yeah know? like we have the shot of them outside the room and it's it's raining you know yeah. and then have them back in the bar when they were back at the bar i thought that the journey had never happened i thought they were just still contemplating it ryan johnson who dressed knives out and other things he had a great mm -hmm. little like interview on criterion collection about this and i mentioned like this is a movie that leans back enough that it really demands that you lean in. Sure. Yeah. I, I think mm -hmm. that's really true. So I'm very happy watching a uh, blockbuster movie and just enjoying it at face value. That's yeah. totally. That's a fantastic experience. This is not that movie. You know, this no. is, you gotta like, you gotta get a, like a notebook. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm glad you said that. That that reminded me of like one of the things that why I think this movie needs a second viewing oh. it is so opposite to the types of like media that we consume yeah. now right. that we grew up watching it, it's a movie that does not say too much right mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different opinions among like the lit realm of writers <laughs> and things everyone has an opinion on you need to be direct you need to not be direct sure. whatever the truth is is doesn't matter this is not a movie that says what it believes right out the gate yeah if Tar if tarkovsky like has that element of he's open to interpretations that is very much felt in this film mm -hmm. you you have to watch it a couple times to get like it it's leading you many different places you know it's asking many different types of questions <laughs> but it never directly says what it believes right. and i think that's one of the best elements so in this well you know Absolutely. some some pieces need a thesis this does not this yeah. heavily benefits from not having one 
given to you. Seth, that reminds me of Picnic and Hanging Rock. Yes. Like it's another, <laughs> another yeah, absolutely. theme. Absolutely. <laughs> um, there's a theme for the type of movies we like. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I, I fully agree, Riley, and I agree with you as well, Megan. But um, I, I think it's, it's a movie that also has great conversations. There's a lot of great dialogues between the, the trio about very, about the, at one point they have a beautiful conversation about what music is yeah. you know yep. and uh and i love that you know and that's not going to be for everybody but like i would rather hear dialogue about what is the essence of music and what does it mean to us and what does this poem mean to you then we got to say the president or whatever <laughs> got to get to alpha base to kill charlie or whatever uh, is, you know absolutely. i think i it, on the note of this is not like other things i'm going to quit hit with some quick uh factoids mm. um we noted that this is a a lot of long shots in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I uh, crunched the numbers. I crunched the numbers and I went to the website that crunched the numbers. There's 142 shots in this film. And for comparison, the average movie has well over a thousand. Um, this movie has the average shot length of over four minutes. Sorry, of over a minute, with the longest <laughs> shot being over four minutes. And the average, shot length, yeah, the average shot length in an average movie is 2.5 seconds. So you're viewing a movie differently when you're doing it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying long shots are always the right call, but when you want to actually really be dwelling about what's being discussed, mm-hmm. it, this is a great way to make a movie. This is a movie that does draw you in, that does, like uh, uh, Ryan John said, make you lean, lean in. I don't want to say all, all modern movies are crap. That's the whole idea of this <laughs> podcast called Film Optimist is I don't believe that. <laughs> you right. know, I think if you were ever uh, upset about whatever is at their local movie theater you think there's no good movies just remember this well over 100 years of great movies to watch <laughs> so yeah. if you're bored with marvel at the time go back and watch something mm-hmm. russian from the 70s it, it's why it speaks to the the medium of film in general also right. is they are just so haunting like these scenes are haunting yeah. and, and simple imagery can be really really engaging as well and and a triumph of like art which is what film i think was trying to portray in general so it's really it's just amazing that and i also enjoy that it puts a lot of faith in audiences and it's not saying like you're stupid like no you have to think about this and it's playing on your audience's emotions humanistic emotions so much so to put faith in that is really really interesting to me and it's like and it does work like you can make so many connections that way and and so many um just have filmic elements that feel so meaningful that is what will always like warm my heart about films like these absolutely yeah when i was taking my notes i I felt like i was i felt almost embarrassed because i was like man i'm talking about the most basic stuff of just here's imagery here's symbolism but mm But this film does like the fundamentals so well yeah yeah right the characters are so incredible the setting is so incredible the imagery is so incredible the cinematography every just like it doesn't try to do anything fancy yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It just n- knows what it's doing and does it incredibly well. And I, I th- one thing I just want to note, like you look at um, a, 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 ca- a counterpart, you could say to Tchaikovsky was Ingmar Bergman, who's a friend of his who actually came out well before Tchaikovsky, but absolutely loved Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's maybe he's a Swedish director who was acted for much longer, didn't die to the 2000s, who is a, also a poster boy for film. And uh, among the reasons he kept working is because he worked in Sweden. 
you know, he never had trouble getting a budget. Mm. He never had trouble getting a budget because he was also doing a relatively simple but beautiful, profound movie. And I think that's something that we might miss. And when folks say, what's wrong with the Marvel movies? It's like, well, there's six Marvel's movies coming out in a year. We're not getting enough attention to a small movie that could be like this, mm-hmm. you know, a movie right. that costs like $10 million yeah. by today's standards that is much more profound and it's gonna sink because it's coming out the same week as the Eternals three, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, and uh, and I enjoy the Marvel movies. I'm not saying there's no place for them, but like, but that's that's the, where the concern comes up. <laughs> it's like if something is dominating theater so much, uh, we're not getting this really really good deeper shit. And I think that's the issue, right? I think right. like in terms of science fiction, mm-hmm. yeah, like genre receives so much criticism because that is science fiction to the the canon heads yes science Mm. fiction is marvel and it's like no no marvel movies are purely for consumerism marvel movies like that type of science fiction is purely it it has no message right it's just it's just like we argue it's like um, their own genre they I'm really getting are. a little. Yeah. I, I'm getting a little political here. This is very welcome, Riley. Like, but I, I think um, if I don't, you don't mind me interrupting you real yeah. quick, Riley. Like Megan, you saw Boots Riley speak at uh, St. Yeah. Mary's, and mm-hmm. uh, Boots Riley, known communist, known filmmaker, and uh, uh, rapper. Did you not know that, Megan? He's very no, open. You may, <laughs> He's very political. No, but um, I didn't he know says, that. Sorry. All art is political. You just don't notice if it's um, reinforcing the status quo. And yeah. so I think Marvel movies are political in that incredibly um, they are saying like it's really great that uh, the u.s military is everywhere that you like got right there i was, I was yeah. gonna say like marvel movies have no visible message right but it's it's that vapid neoliberalist yeah. like right uh military well-meant imperialist messaging exactly. right exactly. yeah and it's it's Mm, mm. And, yeah, <laughs> but that—that that is why all the canon heads don't like don't like science fiction because they um, associate Marvel and the superhero type like right. pulp with that. That's what they define it as, and they don't they don't see it as having a message. So they're like, okay, science fiction doesn't have a message, and then you throw something like this at them, right. and you're like fucking justify that all right <laughs> like try to apply that same logic here and they can't yeah that's so absolutely. interesting i would never think of marvel as like science fiction i that's odd i don't know who thinks that yeah i'm like I'm, i was trying to so i was trying to like find some recommendations right for like more mm-hmm. science fiction movies and i was yes. like racking my brain i'm like man what have i seen right. and i like did a quick google search so i'm like okay like what what are the most critically acclaimed science fiction movies so like what's what's the most popular science fiction movies right now and like marvel it was like marvel marvel right. marvel 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 and i'm like are you kidding me I'm like shocked. If, is that what we're associating with science yeah. fiction right now and it makes sense like you know, on a wow. very surface level because you have you have the supernatural of like magic sure. and like here it's like oh it's science fiction because monkeys telekinetic and it's like <laughs> well you have this you have space space means science fiction apparently right you know <laughs> I'd love to get into our recommendations too of like yes. of let's um, do it yeah yeah so uh, if it's okay folks I I was suggesting because we we tried to do two recommendations an older sci-fi and a newer sci-fi 
Um, and sorry if you guys didn't see that <laughs> if I'm springing this on you. No, I, I got it. We're good. Well, Seth, I, I gasped when you said Boots Riley because it threw me to my, what I'm going to recommend for That's sure okay. for my new one. But if my old one, I mean, I'm like, I'm more of like the classic girl here. And <laughs> so coming into it, the one that I had that like popped into my mind, which very much like a popcorn flick, but my older recommendation is always going to be Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Because <laughs> oh, sure. I'm a, I'm a um, alien girl too. And um, yeah. that was an important one for me, I think. Also yeah. in terms of um, texture in films, which I just really am about like set design yeah. and that was amazing for it. But um, exciting. I'm more excited about my more recent pick because um, when Seth mentioned Boots Riley, he did literally my new favorite movie, I think of all time, it's still going to be on there, which is Sorry to Bother You. You have to check it out. It's a non-genre, basically, but it has science fiction elements in it. Um, I, could, I can't believe I like didn't think about that. But yes, folks, check out Boots Riley's Sorry to Bother You which Absolutely. was I think predominantly a, shot in Oakland yeah and it was shot in Oakland Bay Area yeah, yeah Bay yeah. Area born and bred I'm I kicking think... myself that I didn't go to his like speaking when we were at school was... I, I was so mad I missed it I, I had work and I had yeah Isabel oh. Isabel's was pissed at me that I didn't go because she was like let's go get your ticket get your ticket and then mm -hmm. I like went to buy my tickets and they were sold out so she went alone and I was Aww. like was it good she was like yeah it was fantastic asshole. I'm like <laughs> well Riley you and I are both living vicariously through Megan and Isabel now. yeah you know. I didn't I thought you went Seth like, no I missed maybe, it yeah oh my god that's why girls yeah. do so much about it yeah. I'm a huge fan of Boots Riley too like yeah. I've listened to a uh, lot of his yeah, yeah. that film yeah. was insane like I, oh, yeah. I loved it so much and I think that uh like you said it's the sci-fi elements are maybe later in there but also it's got the core of sci-fi being deeply deeply political yeah mm -hmm. and being about us being about like like you were saying really that is that that to me is maybe more arguably sci-fi than some, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. stalker you know mm -hmm. i was gonna say real quick megan what was the first one you said close encounters of third kind yes so that uh, was my I, I watched that like fairly late in life as an adult i actually only watched it because francois Tufo, the french uh, director's in there and he's great <laughs> he's one yeah. of the characters but like that 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 held up really well and uh I think that was my understanding in film history when the first like the aliens aren't bad movie you know <laughs> which right. spielberg has made such a thing out of especially mm -hmm. with et so mm -hmm. the um, aliens yeah. are a little like the actual look of the aliens are not my you know not sure. my top wheelhouse or anything but right. um, but i like the film i do it's it's important to me <laughs> yeah no it's a good one Riley, you mind going next yeah totally um so a newer film um, that I would recommend everyone see is Blade Runner 2049. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of this film. Um, not only does it have Ryan Gosling, the <laughs> superior Ryan, um, yes, but I think it does an incredible job of giving a modern audience the types of things that they cue into and find and it helps contextualize the original film. Mm. I had seen... Uh, the original Blade Runner first and that movie is equally like difficult to get into for a modern audience I may sure. be you know a millennial Gen Z person speaking here but mm. the first time I watched it it's also the theatrical version that's hard because the way they filmed it was incredibly difficult they had a weird Harrison Ford like noir monologue that just did <laughs> yeah, not the, the final cut's a radically different movie um, yeah so I've been checking that out if you haven't seen that yeah and I think watching Blade Runner 2049 helps introduce the ideas to a modern audience that um the original Blade Runner uh really delves into 
an equally beautiful film. Mm -hmm. The cinematography is incredible. The acting is superb. The ideas presented are so well done. References many, many, many things. Just incredibly, incredible film. Top to bottom. On the note of referencing things, this is the type of nerd I am. I had to look like the what's the the grounding test they do for Ryan Gosling? Yep. Like you're at a baseline. I had yep. to look up what book that is, and it's Hellfire by uh, Valdemar Novikov. So I had to go buy that for myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a very strange and fantastic book that is. Uh, I think you would like Bradley. It's largely a poem, but it's also the majority of the plot is actually told through anecdotes or um, um, the appendix for the poem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very strange <laughs> book. But, I've um, meant I've meant to get it and. If you if you remember uh, the first time I think we both got published in River Run um, oh, yeah, at yeah. Saint Mary Saint Mary's College for yeah. the listeners um, has an undergrad lit magazine. Go Gales has an undergrad yeah. lit magazine that they do um, every year, and Seth and I were both published one year, and my poem that I written was titled Baseline. You know, That's right. and it was That's and right. it was written and styled after that scene yeah. right and i oh, had meant cool. to i had meant to pick up pale fire but yeah in, incredible like so good so yeah, that, that's a fantastic movie yeah, absolutely agree and i think um, yeah uh, there's there's only a handful of great sci-fi sequels out there and mm-hmm. we, we've i hope this continues but like mad max fury road is the best mad max movie and i will fight anybody on that <laughs> no <laughs> uh, oh, but ben, right. i love you so much <laughs> yeah. so, see so glad we're hanging out post-college <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Blade Runner 2049 is fantastic as well and very odd for a movie to, for a sequel to come out decades later yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. and to be so faithful to yeah. the original right? Well, especially with Blade Runner it's not the same director I, I, I apologize I always struggle pronouncing his name but it's uh, Denis Vigneur I believe or something like that he, he directed Arrival yeah. he directed Dune um, yeah. great sci-fi director okay. you know, absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic genre I mean, he does other things but his sci-fi has been among the most interesting sci-fi in the last few years. The older film that I was going to recommend people watch is um, Akira. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an yeah. anime film by <laughs> um, Katsuhiro uh, Otomo. Another, like, incredible political sci-fi yes. about, like, you know, it's anti-war, you know, it's anti-nuclear. Yeah. It's a very very sci-fi thing you know with it's got scenes of body horror without spoiling too much Mm -hmm. you know of like human experimentation and and that kind of stuff and it's an incredible incredible film that again has influenced so much that has come Mm -hmm. after it you will recognize characters and scenes Mm -hmm. that are heavily inspired by akira shots the animation is gorgeous you know oh absolutely that that's a fantastic movie i fully agree with that recommendation really i was gonna say i think um it's also i think for us as uh westerners particularly americans it's important to watch a Japanese movie that deals with nuclear. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely. They have a, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, a very different uh, association with it in relationship to nuclear power. And I think that's um, something we kind of owe it to ourselves to learn more about, to be honest. Yeah, and it's not it's not sci-fi, but it's associated with Akira. Um, right. After you go watch Akira, you should absolutely go watch Grave of the Fireflies yeah. if you're willing to cry a lot. <laughs> um, our, our, if they're listening to us, they should be. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. Well, my um, my recommendations for an older movie is going to be, I was going to do Solaris, but if we're going to do Solaris, another episode of you, Riley, I won't talk about it too much now. Okay. <laughs> so it's going to be, uh, which I'm ready. Is, uh, you're on the hook. Uh, it's going to be Alien because Alien yeah. is uh, a great sci-fi horror movie. And mm-hmm. while I like the sequel, I like other things. What I don't think people realize is so fucking great about Alien is it's not scientists at space it's not marines in space it's truckers in space <laughs> it's low wage employees dealing with the fact that their employer expected them to die horribly if <laughs> only know? they had a union there was exactly no seriously this is a very <laughs> pro union movie and, and you got really great trucker looking people like uh, harry dean santon you know uh you have john hurt i'm not gonna apologize for spoiling a movie that came out in the 80s or 79 i think the chestburster scene uh, no one else knew that was gonna happen except john hurt when they filmed it that day wow so, yeah wow. everybody's reaction is very genuine mm-hmm. genuine so um great movie that still holds up as a fantastic horror movie but also really does have this sci-fi element of being very politically charged of mm-hmm. uh yeah, this is an evil corporation in space. Um, a modern movie is Ad Astra. Um, have you folks mm-hmm. seen that one? No, I've heard I, of it. I really liked it. And it was uh, had a limited release. This came out just a few years ago with uh, Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones. And it's, um, it's a very simplistic plot that I thought was a really great modern sci-fi version of a on the on the sleeve of a toxic masculine story, uh, mm-hmm. toxic masculine story. It's um, Brad Pitt's dad is doing scientific research and neptune has gone rogue they're sending brad pitt in to go find him and there's daddy issues that it's you know it's a it's a relatively low budget movie it's i don't remember what it is i think it's more like 40 to 30 million or something but like the effects still look great it's still pretty simplistic but you know it's a, a it's at the end of the day about a guy trying to finally confront his dad and wow. I, I think that held up really well uh, but also Tommy Lee Jones's character and, you know, raises some interesting questions about how important is research, you know, what's our moral obligation to sure. research versus uh, to each other, <laughs> yeah. you know? I just remember thinking like, wow, that was a great, concise movie. So highly wow. recommend watching that one. I remember cool. the ads for it and it was certainly mismarketed, I think. I did not, I, I would have not right. have yeah. gotten that. There's also like a very cool... Um, chase action sequence on the moon that i think has appropriate uh gravitational and other <laughs> scientific uh considerations in terms of, like you know you don't really hear the gunfire because space you know um, <laughs> and so it's a bit it looks very cool and surreal um cool. it was a fun one awesome i'll have right. to look it up i i i haven't heard of it but I'll it, definitely it was put not it. on people's radars you know so. it'll, it'll go on the ever-growing list yes <laughs> Well, Riley, I want to thank you so much for, for joining us. Yeah, and of course. I, thank I you we, for having me. Of course. I think we mentioned earlier in the podcast, you are a writer. Uh, you were on Twitch. Uh, do you want to note where folks can find you? Yeah, sure. So my friends are far too kind to me, and I am a novice at best, but um, some stuff I am proud of. I am unpublished at the moment, but if you want to see some of the best stuff that I feel that I've written... Um, it is on my website. That is RileyEGerberich.com. Um, no, that's my, no, just RileyGerberich.com. <laughs> I know I'm a professional. Um, Beautiful website, by the way. Yeah. It is a great website. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And if you uh, just want to watch me play video games and scream about things and be bad at video games, uh, you mm-hmm. can check me out on Twitch uh, on uh, Mongorific, Twitch TV forward slash Mongorific. Mongo like the giant gingerbread man and trek too um 
So I, I was going to guess blazing, blazing Saddles. So um, Also Blazing Saddles. Right, okay. yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, but yeah, uh, same thing on Twitter, whatever. I'm just hanging out, being loud. <laughs> um, I, I want to say, folks, he has, uh, don't let him undersell you. He has fantastic writings, particularly love your poetry. And uh, I was mm -hmm. reading through your essay sections earlier and your essay on the problem with Fenn really stood out you know as, oh, a, as you. a perfect thing to note for this episode as well if anybody as they should was unsatisfied with the star wars trilogy yeah mm -hmm. uh you know yeah another episode yeah know. another 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 trilogy that has no message unfortunately yes. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i think you know the biggest continuous problem is just that there was not um, concise planning for all three of those episodes you know yeah. <laughs> which is crazy for something as big of a property as star wars that there was not a linear plot and it, it really shows by episode three yeah yep and i for a long time i i thought i was like so invested in star wars and it's like sure. you know i can be invested in good writing you know and, and i can be invested <laughs> star in trek deep space nine is going to be the show for you <laughs> i'm dude this is another i'm having such a hard time getting through the first season this first season's rough it gets a lot better by season three yeah but yeah, there's still it, some good episodes in there but like it takes i mean definitely honestly there's a great visual cue once you have avery brooks um cisco with the bald head you know it's the writers have more control yeah yep so sorry megan and listeners will no, please, please. <laughs> seth, seth and i will talk our yes. own i'm like, telling you riley yeah, we need your own uh, your own podcast episode so you guys can talk more <laughs> about hey, it just I'm a si strictly sci-fi podcast please stay home and not get covid let's do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right everyone we want to thank you for listening uh we want to thank our guest riley you're welcome back anytime, Riley. Yes. Thank you so much. I, this was a blast. Me. Let's do it. I'm Aww. so glad to hear that. And uh, folks, I just want to give a quick shout out to Megan, who designed our website, who got all the technical mumbo shit that is beyond me to get us uploaded and does our editing. So thank you, Megan. Thank does all the hard us. work so yes. we can have fun. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we've been uh, Film Optimus, and you've been our listeners. Thanks, Stay folks. Stay safe out there, folks. Yes. Take care.